0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter by chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna
1: and my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing book 4, chapter 6, The Forbidden Pool, exploring betrayal and community. Okay, Anna, today we're going to we're going to explore the first part of the chapter. Goosebumps style or you get to pick your own? adventure? Mm. You remember Goosebumps?
0: Vaguely, um, okay. you may recall that I was not a big
1: Goosebumps fan. I was more in that Nancy Drew section of the mm. young adult at the library. Mhm. Well, Goosebumps is where you get to pick your own adventure. So today we're going to start by picking our own adventure. Mhm. You are laying in bed. You're Samwise Gamgee. You open your eyes and you see Frodo and a man disappearing through the door at dawn. Do you a Wake up and follow them, or B, stay in bed because you're warm. Uh, honestly,
0: it's B. <laughs> <laughs> like if Samwise and I are the same person, if we mm-hmm. fused Anna's soul with Samwise's soul, mm-hmm. it's probably B because we love sleeping.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. I think same. And I was very surprised to see. Well, I guess Sam. Sam does love Frodo above all else, but. I would want to also stay in bed and not get up at before dawn to follow Frodo and Mystery Man through through the door.
0: And, I mean, I suppose the context is important here because if I felt like I was already kind of on edge or in a perilous situation, I think my decision-making would look a little bit different. Mm, But if mm -hmm. just, like, it's a Saturday, it's before dawn... Someone is getting up and leaving through a door and I'm cozy in bed. Mm -hmm. The answer
1: is always I stay in bed. Yeah, we trust that (laughs) they have a handle on whatever's happening and you're not needed.
0: That is 100% of every weekday Mm -hmm. where my partner leaves for work at 3.30 (laughs) a.m. He walks out the door and I lay comfortably and perhaps unconscious still at that moment in Really, time.
1: You don't get up and check on him every day at three and say, hey, you, you all right? You good? Everybody okay out here? Can you imagine? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that is
0: so <laughs> early. And I am begrudging to do that even when I'm about to do something fun like right. travel and you're like getting hyped because you're going to go to the airport or the plane's going to take you to a cool new place. Even still, I really loathe the early morning so it would take a lot to get me out of bed
1: I get it I get it <laughs> so now that we've explored a little bit uh what we would do if we were our favorite hero Samwise Gamgee at the beginning of this chapter it's time to now turn to the big red book and listen to your story do you have a story for us today about betrayal
0: I do and It's a story about a time when young Anna made some choices Mm. that weren't her strongest. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this is one of those stories where I often like lie back at night. And when your brain is just about to fall asleep, you think, gosh, I could have handled that differently. (laughs) Why
1: did I do that? Yes.
0: Why did I make these choices? Mm -hmm. Part of it is that my brain had not fully developed yet, and so I was responding with what synapses had been formed yeah with what you had yeah but not great so we're gonna talk through it a little bit and then we'll talk about probably with our action item what more i could have done what better i could have done so it's freshman year of high school and, of course, when we make all of our best decisions.
1: Seriously, we could just erase that whole year and it would be <laughs> much better for everybody.
0: <laughs> like, the character development that happens in that year is maybe key to me being who I am now, but it was not a fun time mm-hmm. by any means. So, had a group of friends, a big group of friends, we would all kind of come together from different theater schools into our high school, feeling pretty good about being together. And then near the end of the year, one of my group of friends was moving and she was moving out of town. And of course, none of us could drive at that point. So it felt like forever away, right? It was going to be contingent on parents' schedules and a lot of like calendaring to be able to see each other. And that felt pretty impossible as 14 and 15 year olds. So the rest of the friend group and I were like, We want to show how much we're going to miss our friend, and we're going to put together a scrapbook of, like, a bunch of photos of us all together. We're going to, like, write her some lovely notes about how much we'll miss her, and then that'll be, like, her going away gift, and we'll sort of stealthily give it to her towards the end of her her time in town. And we had so much fun putting this together. We were crafting, and there was glitter, and then there was, like, this whole covert ops about how we were going to, like, sneak up to the house to give her this scrapbook. I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but it was an idea that we had and it was fun to us. And so we did it. Okay, good. And ultimately we give it to her and it falls so flat. She is clearly upset the moment we hand it to her. And it took me a long time to realize why, because in that moment I was like, Oh, we worked really hard on this. This is us as friends sharing these moments with you. There are photos of you in here, ba-ba-ba. And her her hurt and her betrayal was that she had wanted to spend all of this time with her friends making a scrapbook of photos together to share instead of all of this time that we had spent away from her as she worked through moving and processing kind of the loss of these relationships. And so she was pretty vocal about not- not appreciating this gift. And I was so caught up in my intent that I thought, oh, this is so rude of her. I can't believe that she doesn't see the effort we put into this. And so then later, to add insult to injury, and as one did in the mid-aughts, um, we had, like, a pretty big argument via Facebook Messenger. And it was a whole mood where, you know, big long messages, everybody's on the message, but only two of us, myself and this now ex-friend, are doing most of the talking. And I had felt like we had kind of left feeling really hurt by this friend, really betrayed by this friend, that she didn't see all this effort we had put into it, and a couple of my other group of friends had, like, made comments to that effect. And so I felt like I was really doing everybody a favor by representing those beliefs to this individual and being like, hey, it's really unfair that you didn't see all this. I'm sure I did not explain it in any way that a person could listen to it, right? I wasn't acknowledging her reality and then like the rest of my friends just kind of ghosted me on that message as well so it appeared that i was like the only person vehemently in belief that this was the greatest gift ever given and that everybody else was just like oh yeah she's it's fine whatever no worries and so in the process i lost one of my good friends from freshman year and like have not talked to her since did a very gentle outreach she had kind of a big moment in her life big positive moment in her life and I reached out to say like hey I know that we didn't see eye to eye and that we had kind of this falling out but I just wanted to say like I see that things are going well for you and this looks you know congratulations or whatever and her response was just like yep okay thanks so I think we're now grown people away from the event but I still think about that a lot and the more that I think about it the more I really feel like 14 year old me was really wrong (laughs)
1: oof it's tough i mean you're literally half a lifetime away from that moment now mm-hmm. so there you've had a lot of life since i see both sides i really do mm-hmm. i thought like as you were talking about putting the scrapbook together i was like man it would have been fun if she was there but then as you gave the gift like you got to I I hope people have learned now in their life that receiving gifts is sort of more about the giver than the receiver. And when someone gives you a gift, you need to be very gracious in receiving it, even if it wasn't quite what you were expecting, because it's it's kind and that's a respectful thing to do because someone thought of you and gave you a gift.
0: Well, and I think with more time and cooler heads, I think there could have been a conversation where there was like... You know, I felt really betrayed by you for all getting together and putting this Mm. book together without Mm -hmm. me. And I might have been in a better position to listen and go, oh, you know what? You're right. That wasn't very fair, very fun of us when really what we wanted to say is that we were going to miss you. And of course, we should have spent that time. We spent a lot of time on this wanting you to have something that was a surprise that Mm -hmm. you could walk away with and like probably could have had more of a productive conversation around it. But I think that, like, level of betrayal ran really, really, really deep. And so I still, to this day, like, if we ever had run into one another, I don't know that it would be a particularly comfortable conversation. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's just, it would be one of those very, like, surface-level polite, and then we both fake phone calls so that we
1: can <laughs> get away from yes. it, is how I imagine it.
0: So yeah, there is... Double betrayal. It was
1: a tough moment. That sounds so, like, teenage nightmare. It's like your friends are hanging out without you, mm-hmm. but then your friend reacts differently than as you expected. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I don't miss those group dynamics.
0: I don't miss it at all. And I... And like I said, I continue to think about that moment and, like, all of the moments since then where (laughs) I feel like I've been presented with, like, a similar theme or better perspective and really keep coming back to, like, wow, I could have done that a lot better (sighs) with the time and years I have under my belt now.
1: Yeah. Half a life. A whole half a life now. High school is the perfect time to talk about betrayal. I'm really glad that you brought this story
0: So that is the story of a flawed young character Mm -hmm. named Anna, (laughs) just making choices out here um, and maybe, you know, causing a little bit of harm. So with that said, and with the theme of betrayal on mind, let's get on the same page. What even happened in this chapter?
1: If we use your story as a metaphor, you are now Frodo. So Mm -hmm. not all bad. There it is.
0: (laughs) Like, doing okay. Yeah,
1: doing okay. <laughs> so I'll walk us through what we do in the chapter. For the listeners, Anna and I share notes. And Anna, you might notice that Faramir is in all caps. Yes. My computer just auto-corrected it to all caps each time I wrote it. So <laughs> he, <laughs> that was not a conscious choice. I
0: feel like it reads, though, exactly as your notes... <laughs> should, which is that you shout about (laughs) Faramir every time he shows up, so I don't think it's (laughs) off-brand.
1: Well, yeah, so we're very happy with this chapter because Faramir was heavily featured. It begins with him waking up Frodo by just leaning over him super early, like pre-dawn, and I thought that was a little creepy so then faramir and frodo go outside they climb all of the steps to the top of the tower sam tags along uninvited and they go look out at the view from the top of this cliff tower thing and as frodo and faramir peer over the edge they see what we know and what frodo knows is gollum diving in and out of the forbidden pool the namesake of our chapter So Faramir asks if he should shoot this person, if this person's trying to get up the waterfall and find them. Frodo says, no, don't shoot him. He just wants some fish. And Faramir agrees to spare Gollum's life, but says he wants to speak with him. So Frodo has to bring Gollum to him or else they're both being shot. So Frodo goes down to the water. And he tells Gollum it's time to leave. Gollum's like, no, I don't want to go with you. You abandoned me. I'm eating my fish. Leave me alone. And eventually, Gollum trusts Frodo enough to go with him. However, he feels lied to when, out of the woods, the Merry Men spring out and capture Gollum. You know, they really, they restrain him. He fights them. They fight him. And it's it's a tense moment. He does not go peacefully. So Faramir questions Gollum. And we get a little sense of Faramir's supernatural sight that he has. You get the feeling that he can sort of see into the future, into the past, Gollum's mind. And he looks into Gollum's mind and sees murder. So he is not happy with the answers that Gollum has given about where they're going, why he's with Frodo and Sam. And after dismissing Gollum, Frodo and Faramir have a discussion about what's to be done. Faramir says, don't go. Frodo says, I kind of have to. What else can I do? And the chapter ends with them parting and Faramir saying that he has no hope of seeing Frodo again.
0: Kind of a bleak ending. Bleak <laughs> from ending. From Faramir. Not even like,
1: oh, I doubt we will, but hope we will. Like, it seems unlikely. It's like, I have no hope of seeing you again. Bow. Close. Right. Okay, bye.
0: I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> It's a pretty rough send off, and you yeah. know, even if that's true, like, what's the point in naming it so right. precisely?
1: He's like a little <laughs> truth-telling robot. He would never lie. He would never ask anybody else to lie. He would never. What What does he say? He's like, I would never. I would not catch even an orc in a falsehood. Mm-hmm. So he just has to say, "I have no hope in seeing you again." Peace. <laughs> right.
0: There is a quote that I love so very much, mm-hmm. and. It's going to sound silly when I describe who said it. So the way that I heard this quote was Kristen Bell was talking about it on Ellen.
1: Perfect.
0: And she was referencing her therapist. Perfect. And the therapist, Kristen Bell's therapist quote is...
1: (laughs) What did her therapist say?
0: Honesty without tact is cruelty. Mm. And that sits with me a lot, but I kind of think in this moment... Faramir would do well to abide by that Mm -hmm. guidance in that yes that is true and yes that is honest but there is probably a more tactful way to say that given all else that is on Frodo's plate Mm -hmm. I don't know that he needed a reminder of imminent death like exactly at that moment
1: you have no hope of moving forward but I'm gonna send you off with some cheese okay bye
0: (laughs) sends him off a little Tupperware yeah
1: Uh, not, not great. It gives me Sheldon Cooper vibes of like, well, it was true. And it's like, yes, but was it, was it kind? (laughs) Yeah. Was it needed? So that's what happened. And Mm -hmm. I gave a very brief overview of the main betrayal in this chapter, Mm -hmm. but you are the one who will be bringing us all of the examples. So I would love to hear where else you saw examples of betrayal in this chapter.
0: So there are a couple. There are a couple right away, so the first that I saw was on page, my page 331, and this is, like, right as we're finding Frodo and Faramir are finding Gollum in the Forbidden Pool, and it's really Gollum's need for fish that kind of betrays his safety, which I think is just such, like, a tricky thing to have this implicit need for sustenance, Mm -hmm. and to have that very base need be the thing that betrays his safety. So, a quote that I think kind of encapsulates that a bit is from Frodo, saying, quote, The creature is wretched and hungry, said Frodo, and unaware of his danger.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So then, Gollum is approached, or is kind of talking to himself, right, but not quite... Not quite approached yet or not quite
1: aware that Frodo is there. Right, it's when Frodo's in the bushes.
0: Right, so he's, he's talking to himself and feels kind of betrayed by Sam and Frodo for taking his precious. So the quote is, quote... Dirty habits, nasty habits, gone and left us, Gollum, and precious is gone, only poor Smeagol all alone, no precious, nasty men, they'll take it, steal my precious, thieves, we hates them. So, not so subtly. Mm-hmm. And very clearly <laughs> identifying his, his feelings of betrayal for taking what, again, he feels belongs to him, but also maybe just being left alone.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting here that we get to see into Frodo's mind how he feels about all of this and the disgust that he holds for Smeagol, which to me wasn't clear until this moment that he really is finding no joy in having him as a guide. He considers stepping back and letting Faramir shoot. And it's amazing to me that he still feels a sense of duty to this creature after hearing all of the horrible things that that smeagol is saying about frodo and sam
0: next moment of betrayal right i think we kind of see your application in frodo's approach to gollum right so he's feeling not so certain about this person he's actually quite disgusted Mm -hmm. by gollum and yet he understands that gandalf would not want for him to end this person's life. I think that sort of quote about like who are you to kind of decide mm-hmm. seems to ring through his decision-making process. I think Frodo is also just very acutely aware of the dangerous situation that Gollum is in. Even if he doesn't care for him as like a person that he'd like to go out to dinner with, he is filled with knowledge that Frodo needs. And so there's both kind of a material gain for preserving his life as well as sort of that moral gain as well. So he approaches Gollum, and then as folks spring out, there's this is kind of the main betrayal of the chapter. And Gollum is just so, like, surgically precise <laughs> in his assessment of the situation. So the quote is, on page 334, Master, master, he hissed. Wicked, tricksy, false. He spat and stretched out his long arms with white snapping fingers. So just really kind of calling out that like, oh, all right, there is betrayal afoot. And it's kind of Frodo's doing. But Frodo's at least the instrument, the messenger of the betrayal.
1: I almost don't feel like this is a betrayal because... It's it's more like Gollum just doesn't have the capacity to understand. Like taking your dog to the vet when he doesn't want to go, the dog might feel like it's a betrayal, but it really isn't. It's for the dog's own good. And I think Gollum's understanding isn't quite at the level of other people. And Frodo even says, I don't know that I could explain this to him. Mm. Maybe it, it doesn't matter because it feels like a betrayal to Gollum. But looking at it on the overview, it's like, no, this is actually really good for you. I'm doing what's best.
0: I'm so glad that you brought that up because I had a lot of thoughts while I was reading this chapter. But it became a little challenging to me to assess betrayal versus harm. Mm -hmm. I do think those two things are the same, but they are not entirely the same right like there's an overlap in that venn diagram of like i've caused harm and i can repair it versus betrayal to me feels so much more deeply rooted and perhaps more difficult to come back from and to me it it is kind of an understanding of like shared values shared expectations and then a person gives that up and so I don't know whether I can qualify Frodo, from my perspective, as having betrayed Gollum, but I think it's important to note that Gollum probably feels that it is Mm -hmm. for the fact that Frodo has, like, given – maybe given up or given into a situation where he cannot protect Gollum in a way that he's promised or in a way that he was going to protect the Precious. And that maybe feels like a betrayal of values or a betrayal of an understanding. I don't know.
1: I think it's because Gollum, it's a betrayal of Gollum's understanding of the situation. Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest betrayal here is that he doesn't realize he's leading Frodo to destroy the ring. Mm-hmm. From his understanding, he thinks that he's going to get the ring at the end. They're just walking to Mordor. Frodo doesn't have other friends. He doesn't have the full understanding of the situation. And so it's a betrayal of his understanding. Mm -hmm. But in the the cosmic view of things, Frodo is not betraying any of his personal values. He's still protecting Gollum. He's not allowing him to be killed, even though it would kind of make his time easier. He feels like he owes it to him. Frodo is still following his values.
0: I think, too, there is sort of this, it's a bit hypocritical, right, of Gollum, because we know what comes later in this book. Mm, mm -hmm. So now whether exactly he had planned in his mind to betray Frodo and Sam's safety and ultimately cause some harm to each of them as we get later in this book is unclear at this point, but he's at least aware of some level of danger, which seems to be part of his hesitation in sharing, like, okay, here's where we're going, and here's why we're going there, or here's why no one else speaks of it. Mm-hmm. And so it is a little hypocritical as well for Gollum to say, like, this is a betrayal, but to not be able, self-awareness being both a blessing and a curse, not being aware enough to see that, His treatment of Sam and Frodo is also a bit of a betrayal.
1: And maybe he wouldn't see this as a betrayal if he wasn't already planning to betray Frodo and Sam. But because he Mm -hmm. expects these sort of things, is planning them in himself, it's like, oh, I'm actually not that surprised that you're turning me into the humans and they're going to kill me. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think just to kind of put a put a bow on that, I think there are some interesting things that we're walking away with as considerations, right? One is intent. So what, what level of intent or understanding are we talking about when we talk about betrayal? And where does impact outsize intent for intent to become almost irrelevant? Mm-hmm. And how do we assess culpability? So what does it mean to be in a space where you're like maybe considering committing doing something not so great and there are other people that are going to be associated with that not so great it's so gray Mm -hmm. in that space to then say like but i've been wronged or like but this is more wrong than what i'm doing just feels pretty tough and that's a pretty tough little trio then Mm -hmm. (laughs) to try and have any like real like candid conversation or vulnerability and so I think though we are talking about betrayal and community, I would hesitate to call those three people, right, a community in the ways that we mean to build them as a result of this podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I think Frodo does his best in acting for the greater good of the larger Middle-earth community. And so we have mm-hmm. to respect that he he's not betraying what he promised to the council that he would do.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough moment mm-hmm. for our friends there are two more examples that i have one is on page 339 it's frodo and faramir chatting and basically faramir kind of says his heart would ask frodo to betray his commitment to Gollum, but his head won't And so I think, again, we're sort of talking about these dual needs, like choosing immediate safety versus the larger good Mm -hmm. and having to continually push aside an individual's needs for, you know, for saving the world. And that's kind of a it's it's not an easy decision to make. And we see that Faramir's heart, honest man that he is, is kind of in Frodo's camp. And he wants him to betray his commitment, not because he wants the commitment betrayed, but because he wants Frodo to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> and to not go with Gollum, because he knows that this is kind of a... It's a one-way ticket mm-hmm. that he's, he's sending Frodo away with, and that is a tough tough situation to totally co-sign to. Right. And then the last, um, which you named, is that Frodo will not betray his promise to the council So, 339 into 340. From Frodo, quote, But over the mountains I am bound by solemn undertaking to the council to find a way or perish in the seeking. And if I turn back, refusing the road in its bitter end, where then shall I go among elves or men? Would you have me come to Gondor with this thing? And kind of goes on to say, like, what else would you have me do? Mm -hmm. Would you have me betray this promise? And Faramir says, I would not have it so. Frodo asks, well, what do you want me to do then, basically? And is like, I know not. Only I would not have you go to death or to torment, and I think that Mithrandir would have chosen this way. And Frodo then basically kind of lays out, like, well, he's not here. I have to make this decision, and this is the commitment that I've made. Frodo's, again, faced with... Faramir becomes kind of the proxy for the council, right? To be like, okay, well, if you betray this commitment, then you get to be safe, but for how long and and what's kind of the ultimate goal and Frodo, a bigger person than most, says, "I can't do that. I have to continue on my quest."
1: I think this is the best we've seen Frodo. I think this is Frodo mm-hmm. at his best. He is making a more compelling argument than than someone who has been set up to be extremely wise and extremely thoughtful. And I love this version of Frodo. It shows how far he's come. And how seriously he's taking this. And it it really warmed my heart to see him stand up again for the company, for the cause, and for this task that he has signed up for.
0: It's one of those moments that, though the theme of our episode today is betrayal, I can't help but think about that quote from Mr. Rogers where he says to look for the helpers. Mm Mm-hmm. And in this moment i feel like frodo is that helper that i'm looking for someone whose heart and intent is good and when they make commitments they do their level best to reach them or to fulfill them and they do that even when that's hard and i don't think that's something we see very often i would agree that frodo is really a shining example of how to be your very best your very best hobbit on the very best day
1: he's simply the best
0: (laughs) Better, than, Better all
1: than all the rest. the That's
0: right. Except for maybe Samwise, who is. Except for maybe, maybe Samwise, <laughs> who, <is, laughs> Sam who is our golden boy, for yes. sure. <laughs> so those were my examples from today's chapter.
1: Thank you. I loved those examples, and I loved this discussion that we got to have.
0: Tackling some big stuff here on N Fellowship. Are you ready for your very favorite part of all of our episodes, talking with Tolkien?
1: Yes, I am. And I didn't highlight this quote, but because we just finished talking about how good Sam is and maybe he's better than Frodo, I want to call out when Frodo is asked if we should shoot Gollum, he goes, no, I beg you not to. And then Sam goes, if Sam had dared, he would have said yes, quicker and louder. (laughs) I know, I love that. So, yes, I am ready for talking with Tolkien. That one doesn't count. The first talking with <laughs> Tolkien I have is on page 329. It's all about Sam today, I guess. Mm. I thought it was so funny, as I mentioned in our opening question, that Sam got out of bed to to go investigate. And he's complaining about how cold it is and why they're up there and what's going on. And Faramir kind of gives him the business a little bit. And he says, yeah, it's pretty up here. Quote, it is worth a few shivers, but that is not what I brought you to see. Though as for you, Samwise, you were not brought, and do but pay the penalty of your watchfulness. Mm -hmm. And I liked that bit of like, you brought this upon yourself. You didn't have to come. I didn't tell you to come. Don't complain about being cold.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. You brought this upon yourself.
1: (laughs) And then the second one I have is... Spoiler alert about Sam. Mm. I just love all of his little thoughts and asides we get in this in this chapter. And this is when Frodo and Faramir are having their discussion about all sorts of big important things. And Frodo calls him Lord Faramir, and you know they're they're being very polite. And Sam thinks to himself. Sam sighed audibly, and not at the courtesies of which, as any Hobbit would, he thoroughly approved. Indeed, in the shire, such a matter would have required a great many more words and bows. And I thought that was <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, I like that one too. Those are my talking with the Tolster. <laughs> as as we call him. As we call him. Yeah, that's what his friends call him, close personal friends. Mhm. That we are <laughs> born like 30 years after he passed. <laughs> True friendship knows no timeline. Kristen Bell's therapist said that to me once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I had a couple of quotes as well.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Our first quote that I thought was just absolutely delightful and sort of carrying over the theme from last week was the description of the waterfall Mm. and how gem-like it is. Mm -hmm. Right away, page 328, Start of the chapter, Sam is awoken, and he's watching Frodo and a man leave, and quote is, quote, as he went by the cave mouth, he saw that the curtain was now become a dazzling veil of silk and pearls and silver thread, melting icicles of moonlight. And I just...
1: Yeah. Well, how'd he do? I like that
0: description. Well
1: described, Tolkien. Thank you. I can picture it. The old Tolster. And then on
0: page page 334, the top of the page, Frodo approaches Smeagol. Smeagol is wondering where Sam is. And the way that he asks this is, where is the other one? The cross-rood <laughs> hobbit. <laughs> Which I loved.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs>
0: Especially given all the thoughts we get from yes. Sam during this chapter.
1: Like, he is a bit yes. cross
0: <laughs> in this chapter. Yeah,
1: he, he's a little bit grouchy. He, he's getting... Yeah, he's grouchy. He's grouchy. A little grouch McStuffins. And uh, then the last
0: is just like a nice little moment between Faramir and Frodo before he has such a bummer send-off. Faramir says, quote... If ever beyond hope you return to the lands of the living and we retell our tales, sitting by a wall in the sun, laughing at old grief, you shall tell me then. And I liked mm-hmm. that sort of imagery of a wall in the sun, laughing at old grief. You're past the thing. It's not so present. We can share more stories
1: then. Yes. Yeah, I like that. It's him pretending that he has any hope. <laughs> Beyond all hope if this comes to pass, but we all know it won't. Yeah.
0: Bye. If you ever return to the lands of the living. Because
1: you're walking towards death, as we all know.
0: Did you forget for this one moment? Let me remind Mm -hmm. you.
1: But those are my quotes. Wonderful quotes. A wonderful chapter. I keep being pleasantly surprised by this book. (laughs) Wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) Okay, so we have made it through all of our segments except for the action item. And this is the part of the pod where you share an action item for our listeners and myself to do to strengthen our community. What do you have for us today?
0: Well, as I thought through my story and I thought through all of the spaces where um, I really thought I could have done a better job, one piece that really stuck out to me was Getting really good at apologizing. Mm, mm -hmm. And like a good apology, right? Like, not, I'm sorry you felt that way. That's not a real apology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, to apologize, you have to one, acknowledge what you've done incorrectly, two, name the harm, three, apologize. I'm sorry. 4. Identify the path forward and how you will not commit the same mistake again. So I just want to give a little bit of credit here. These are adopted from Cheskalee's YouTube video entitled Getting Called Out, How to Apologize. That video is is explicitly about moments where harm has been caused around lines of like oppression, so racism, sexism, xenophobia, etc., so this isn't quite that, but getting really clear on how to apologize is just such a key community skill because we cannot get everything right all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we will inevitably do someone harm whether we mean to or not, and we have to get really good at recognizing its impact without solely focusing on its intent and do some, do some repairing of those relationships.
1: I thought you were going to attribute this to our high school choir teacher because I remember him saying many times, don't say you're sorry if you're just going to do it again.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. No, um, in part because I didn't take choir in high school, but right. I've had many, many people in my life. A couple that stand out to me, but one being a, a supervisor at a previous position who is a total rock star would say. If you can't identify a way to change your behavior, then you are at risk of doing this again. Mm -hmm. What I want to know from you is not that you're sorry, because that doesn't help me feel any better in the moment, but actually how your behavior will change moving forward. And ever since I've started putting that into my apologies, one, I feel a bit more like I know how to handle the situation. I feel a little less lost and flaily sometimes Mm that comes with like knowing that you've done something wrong. But two, it really is a verbal commitment to someone else. So you are just that much more likely to do better because you've said it out loud. Mm -hmm. So that's my action item. It's a tough one, but the more you do it, the more natural that process will feel. I will not say it's easier, but the more natural that's, that process will feel.
1: Yeah, this is one of those lifelong ones where we we put it on the the checklist, but it never actually gets checked off. <laughs> you got to you right. got to keep keep trucking at it.
0: One of my greatest accomplishments, like of all time, is that I was now many years past this initial story that I told in a space where I was working with students and I received an award from our multicultural group because i was really good at apologizing
1: oh my god (laughs) (laughs) they're like you are always
0: willing to admit like when you do something wrong or when you've maybe caused harm and then you want to plan with us on how we can do better like that's huge and you don't expect more of other people than you expect of yourself which again a far cry from where i was at 14 messaging someone on facebook angrily personal growth there's there's space (laughs) to get it right even though sometimes sometimes things go awry along the way today's podcast was brought to you by moonset over gondor worth a few shivers our music is by robert zahn and simon dom If you have thoughts on today's episode or a homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. When we run our dishwasher the pipes in our house clank kind of a lot and it's literally just the force of the water crossing the house but it's really noticeable because the basement isn't finished and so he said something about it and I was like oh it's like the drums in the minds of Moria and he just looked at me <laughs> and I was like you know when um, Pippin knocks off this <laughs> <laughs> and he was like I didn't even know what you were talking about just then <laughs> okay deep in this fandom it's
1: fine fine everyone has to have a flaw and our fatal flaw is <laughs> loving people who don't love Lord of the Rings I don't know that's that's my only fatal flaw no, but I is. like that it's on the list <laughs> <laughs>